Breakout Conference 2018. He is passionate about developing leaders, community builder, and with great insight to teaching and preaching of the Word of God. When you give up in faith, when you give up in your hope, when you give up in your labor, you are blocking the manifestation of the work of God. The Bible says that this is how we please God. We please Him by our faith. No man can achieve or get anything from God until you please Him by sustaining your faith. He is a father to many, leader to leaders, and a loving father and husband. The resident bishop of Action Chapel International UK and Europe. Breakout Conference 2018. With a resounding round of applause and a standing ovation, shall we welcome our speaker, Bishop Dick Isando. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and really thank God for what I sense is going to be a phenomenal week of God's goodness and God's impartations. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Eternal One, your glory adorns the face of the earth. By your judgments, all things prevail or all things diminish. We thank you that you have gone ahead of us this week to set in place and in motion all that is necessary to bring your people into a wealthy place. Now, O oh God, we ask, reach deep into the hearts of your people. Grant, Almighty God, that whatever pit, whatever situation, whatever place, wherever they are right now, let the hand of the Lord begin to lift them up. As you brought Joseph out of the pit, and elevated him to a wealthy place and he stood as prime minister in a foreign land so we ask almighty God do the same in the midst of your people let the testimonies from this house confound let it be the kind of testimony that will transform communities and transform our nation we bless this conference in the name that is above every other name let everybody say an amen. amen. Put your hands together for the Lord this morning. And before you are seated, I wanted to give honor to whom honor is due. A man of God supported by his wife who has stood not only as a planter, but has stood in all manner of seasons and times. When you have been in ministry for as long as by the grace of what some of us have been, we understand the different seasons. Some seasons are good, some seasons are discouraging, but it takes a man with a conviction and man with a knowing and a man who says that it doesn't matter how seasons change and what comes and goes, they stand for God, they stand for the people. Put your hands together for Reverend Eric Marke and Lady Gifty. Oh, is that a clap? Yeah. Please receive it in God's presence. To the wonderful leadership that supports them. To the amazing choir. 
that theme song just turned the whole conference around. I appreciate it. You make our work very lovely in the house of God. Say an amen. amen. To all the familiar faces, we've been seeing you in and out for, for years, and uh, God has been good. Say an amen. amen. And as I was preparing to come here this morning, I thought uh, you came into my mind. Uh, I began to say, Lord, there's been many seasons that we've been coming and going. And uh, when is Breakout Conference going to see the fullness of all the investment of time and prayer? Not just conference time. But throughout the years, for every service and every fasting and everything that you do. And what the Lord brought to my spirit was this. When you are digging for oil, you don't necessarily strike oil your first hit. Sometimes you have to drill and drill. And sometimes when you think that your drill is long enough, the Lord will say, extend the drill. Because the oil is lying deeper and deeper and deeper. And sometimes in the process of drilling, you're going to hit some rocks. You'll hit some difficult terrain. But the Lord said to tell you this morning, keep drilling. Keep digging. Keep digging. And one of these days, something will break out. And the oil of the Lord will flow in the house. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap in the house this morning. I have an anchor word for you for this conference. It's a word that I actually preached somewhere uh, recently, uh, but it's relevant to this conference. You would have thought that it was actually designed for this conference. And I wanted to open your heart and receive this because from tomorrow onwards, I want to go light on word and trust God that there'll be a chain breaking time. See, yeah. amen. But we need to, we need to get ourselves, our mind, our spirit. We need to be engaged in the right place because this is not. I. I don't like to just do programs. I don't like to just do pro uh, conferences. Uh, conferences for me is just a vehicle for something. A program is a vehicle for something. So it's good to have conference. It's good to have program. But at the end of it, there is something the pastor has in the spirit. There is something you have prayed for. There's an expectation of God that something will come out of our gathering, our, uh, our time, our fellowship. And it is my belief and my prayer that something will come out of this conference and as you've taken the step to do a full week i encourage you don't pick and choose because i sense that every day will carry its own unique grace and i hope you have taken time out set time aside and, and prepared yourself for a time such as this amen that you're looking beyond the events and looking to the results that will come after see an amen now, this morning, go with me to the book of 2 Kings, the 14th chapter. 2 Kings chapter number 14. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings 14, we will start from verse 23. I'll read from verse 23 to verse 28. And we'll move it from there. See an amen? The Bible says, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria and reigned forty and one years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. 
He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath onto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his prophet Jonah. Thank you for doing that. Which he spake by the hand of his prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet which was at Gath Hepha. Are you with me still? Are you with me? For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel that it was very bitter. Say very bitter. Say the affliction was very bitter. For there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. Notice that there was no helper for Israel. And the Lord said not. Say the Lord said not. The Lord said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. But he saved them. Say, but he saved them. Say it one more time. Say it like you cannot believe it. But he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did in his might, how he warred and how he recovered Damascus and Hamath, which belonged to Judah for Israel, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? I pray that all your acts and all your might and how you contend for the faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how you become instrumental in the divine recovery from the pits to a wealthy place this week, let it all be recorded in the Chronicles of the King of Kings. That one day that book will be turned open and the Lord will ask the question, what reward has been given them for all their acts and labor? Give the Lord a clap in the house this morning. Now, judging from the way you were looking at the scriptures, I, I kind of feel a lot of you are not too familiar with this kind of Old Testament heavy-duty reading. But there is a blessing in there that I want you to grasp this morning. Say an amen. Now we see in here, in 2 Kings, the 14th chapter, that there, there's a reference to Jew, two Jeroboams. There's Jeroboam, the son of Joash, who was king of Israel, and there was his predecessor, Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. Say an amen. amen. According to the word of the Lord, this Jeroboam, the son of Joash, who is the man we're going to be speaking about in the next few minutes, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, did evil in the sight of God. The Bible has a record that he did evil in the sight of God. Now, not only did he do evil in the sight of God, the Bible says he did not depart from the sins of his predecessor, Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. So not only did he do evil in the sight of God, he continued in the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. And then the Bible says, they caused Israel to sin. Now, I'm laying this down because we have to understand that in a time of trusting God to bring us to a wealthy place, there are certain things that we have to factor in. The Bible says, as a result of the sins of these Jeroboams, as a result of the sin of Israel, the Bible says Israel was afflicted very bitterly. There was great affliction in the land of Israel. Verse 26 says, For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel that it was very bitter. Say very bitter. 
When you are in a pit, life can be very bitter. When things are not going well, life can be very bitter. When you've done everything you know to do, but life isn't working out, life can be very bitter. And sometimes it feels like you are afflicted and beaten, and life has become very, very, very tough. But the Bible here tells me that the interesting thing is that when God saw the affliction of Israel, when God saw the bitter affliction of Israel, even though by inference of the word, the bitter affliction has come as a result of their sins, the Bible says, but God, but God never said because of their sins, he will blot their name from under heaven. But rather the Bible says he saved them. Say he saved them. Save Say it again. Now, I want, to, I want to put this thing out there today. If we are going to enter a wealthy place, a wealthy place is an overflow place. It is a more than enough place. It is a place of divine contentment and satisfaction. It is the, my cup runs over place. But it is not a place that is limited just to finances. You have the wealthy in your mind, in your spirit in your emotions, in your body, in your will, in your marriage. You have to have a sense of an overflowing abundance of God's grace upon your life. Anything that is robbing you of your peace because of circumstances and situations, when God brings you into a wealthy place, he has enlarged your steps. He has done more than enough. He has compensated you for all the pain that you've had to endure. God will bring you into a wealthy place. The Bible says Israel was going through very bitter affliction. They were going through very bitter affliction because of their sins. But the Bible says, and the Lord said not, the Lord said not, verse 27, and the Lord said not that he would heaven, but he saved them. Say, but he saved them. I pray that whatever has led you into a pit, the Lord will have mercy. And the Lord will save you. I pray that when the enemy tells you that your name has been blotted out. Out of the books and out of the chronicles of those that the Lord is about to restore and make wealthy. Tell the enemy, the Lord has never said he will blot out my name. My name shall be numbered among the wealthy. My name shall be numbered among the peaceful. My name shall be numbered amongst those who have restored. Because I'm serving a God who knows how to save and deliver. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house today. It is important that we resolve this issue in our mind before we go forward. Because one of the things that the enemy is going to tell you from the get is this. What makes you think that God can bless you? And God can bring you into a wealthy place knowing the kind of person you are. Knowing your mess of yesterday. Your sins of yesterday. Knowing what is even in your heart right now. You think God is going to bring you into a wealthy place? Don't you understand that the reason why you're going to this mess is because of the sins you've committed? Oh, sins are serious. And sins have consequences. And the consequences of the sins of Israel was a bitter affliction. But I want you to hear this. If you were following me when I was reading the scripture, you will understand something. The Bible said that Jeroboam, the son of Joash, did evil in the sight of God. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, and they made Israel to sin. And yet still, the Bible says, when God was looking as to how to save Israel, the Bible says he found no helper. 
they, everybody was shut up everybody was on lockdown nobody was free enough from the affliction and the bitterness for God to, to be able to say I will use them amazingly when we read the scriptures that the Lord saved them the Bible then says the Lord saved them by the hand of who? Jeroboam the son of Joash that blows my mind did you not just say a couple of verses up that this Jeroboam did evil in your sight is this not the same man who continued in the sins of his predecessors who made Israel to sin for which they are suffering bitter affliction but when the time came for the Lord to restore the land the same Jeroboam with all his faults with all his sin with all his vulnerability his weakness his setback the Lord used him to bring restoration to Jeroboam I am telling you that no matter where you are God can still use you to bring this church into oh my God I, I pray that somebody I I'm just trying to warm up to something are you hear what I'm saying Bishop are you telling us that there is no consequence to sin let me disabuse your mind of that ignorance for a moment Everybody who sins pays a price. David committed a sin with Bathsheba, set up the death of Uriah. But the Bible says his son died. Rebellion broke out in his house. When we look at scripture, Saul of Tarsus persecuted the Christians. The Lord said, Yet yeah, he's my chosen vessel, but I will show him the things that he must suffer. When you study the scriptures, Everyone who committed sin paid the price for it. But you know what I want you to understand? Separate sin and its consequences from the divine plan of God for your life. You'll catch it in a minute. You see, you see, David sinned. His son died. Rebellion broke. But the way that the Lord has spoken concerned, David, I will establish you as a kingdom. You will have a throne. Messiah's bloodline will be traced to your throne. In spite of David's sin, he paid for the sin, but God's prophetic word for him stood. Saul of Tarsus sinned by persecuting Christians. God knew it, but God says, he is my chosen vessel. Samson, that lead with Delilah. But watch this now. When, when the angel of the Lord came to Manoah, the father of Samson, he said, the child you're about to give birth to, he will begin to deliver the house of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Samson messed up with Delilah. Samson paid the price for his sin. He was captured. He was humiliated. He was blinded. But out there, as his hands were tied to the post, Samson remembered God's prophetic word on his life. And he says, Father, in spite of my sin, I know I am paying for that price, but let your prophetic counsel come to stand. You said that by me, the house of the Philistines shall be destroyed. And God brought it to pass and used Samson to destroy the house of the Philistines. So somebody give the Lord a shout. I can take you through scripture upon scripture. Now watch this now. The Bible says, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, did evil. But God used him to restore Hamath to Israel, which belonged to them. Now watch this now. The Bible said, but this was, this was according to a prophetic word 
that the Lord has spoken by the mouth of Jonah. In other words, God had prophesied the restoration of the lost lands to Israel. Isaiah's sin could not stop God. Jeroboam's sin did not stop God. God says, for your sins, I will deal with you. If you must go through bitter affliction, you will go through it. But the word I have spoken, it cannot return to me void. It must be fulfilled. And if I have to use the same people who are sinning, it is more important to me that my word come to pass than to simply punish you for the sake of punishing you. Oh, somebody, give the Lord a clap. I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm building something into your mind this morning. You see, you see, most of the time the church is disempowered. Because in our mind, because of maybe some histories, because of current and present situations, we don't even expect God to restore us. We don't expect to be brought into a wealthy place. We are hoping, but I want you to understand that whatever God has said concerning your life, individually and corporately as a church, God is more interested in it coming to pass than any other issue in your life. Let me put it in a way that will connect with you. The Lord had a plan for humanity. Mankind sinned. The first Adam fell into sin. But the Bible says, even before Adam sinned, the Lamb of, of God had been slain from the foundations of the earth. In other words, the sin of humanity did not stop God, will not stop God, cannot stop God from fulfilling the full restoration of humanity to himself. God didn't give up because of Adam's sin. As a matter of fact, God had foreseen the sin and made provision for the sin. Let me put it another way. Nobody here can disappoint God. Nobody. You can disappoint men. You can disappoint institutions. But you can never disappoint God. You know why? Because for it to be a disappointment, there must be ignorance. <laughs> for pastor to disappoint me, I must be so ignorant about pastor's propensity to hate me. In other words, I must be so blind that this man has a spirit in him that can hate me. So when he does it, I am shocked and I'm disappointed. Pastor, I never expected this of you. Every time I've seen as a gentleman, I never knew words like this would come out of your mouth. So I am disappointed because I was ignorant of that side of him. But you are dealing with a God who is a discerner of every thought and intent of your life. You are dealing with a God who sees every day of your life from the end to the what are you going to do that will surprise God? And yet, in spite of everything, the sins you are not yet committed that is waiting for you to commit in the future, He said, I have called you, you are my chosen vessel, and I will bring you into a wealthy place. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house this morning. So, for God to be disappointed in me, then I can never say He's an omniscient God. I can never say that my God is an all-knowing God. But if he's an all-knowing God, who even knows where I will fall, where I'll rise, where I'll give up on faith, where I'll be discouraged, 
where I feel like taking my hands off the plow and yes, it says, I have need an overtaker out of you. You will run your race. You will finish your course. You will fulfill your assignment. You will come into destiny. That is the kind of God that I can lift up holy hands to and say, because you are omniscient, your omnipresence and your omnipotence is relevant to me. Oh, somebody give Jesus some glory in the house this morning. Don't underestimate what God can do through you because of yesterday's setback. Because in spite of that setback, God has a plan for your tomorrow. Yeah. When we miss it, we'll go through bitter affliction. The Bible says that if you, if you breach the wall, a serpent will strike. But what I'm saying is that the fact that you're going through affliction, whether it's because of sin or because of circumstance or the sins of other people against you, that has nothing to do with God bringing his plan to pass. The difference between living in sin and walking righteously is this. God will bring his word to pass in your life. Whether the route to the fulfillment of that word will be easy or will be smooth depends on how you live and walk with God. The Bible says if a man's way pleases him, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So the issue of sin is paid from your destiny issue. And you hear what I'm saying? It just makes the road rockier. It makes it more difficult. It makes it cumbersome when we are not living right with God. But your failure is not God's failure. Your inability to live as God wants you to live does not in any way paralyze God because God has seen it, he has factored it, calculated it into the formula and he said you're going to still going to come out smelling rosy. Oh somebody, give the Lord a clap in the house this morning. So the Bible says that God uses Jeroboam. 2 Kings 14, 27 And the Lord said not that he will blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. But he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. By the hand of the same person that a few verses ago was saying did evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Two things. One, because God must watch over his word to bring it to pass. Number two, God needed a helper. The Bible said there was no helper. Everybody was shut down. Everybody was locked up. Everybody was restricted. Nobody had room to, to maneuver and manipulate. But God had a plan for the people of Israel. And God was going to bring that plan to pass. Can you give the Lord a clap in the house this morning? And so the Bible says, the Lord, the Lord sought him when he was looking for somebody to bring salvation. And he found nobody by his own hand produce a savior in this church in this house as we begin this conference i'm looking for people that god will say in spite of your yesterday in spite of your situation now i'm going to use you you will be the helper you will be the one that will help bring restoration and restore the lands and everything that belongs to your family and to your home and to your business and to your church and to your and to your nation I am looking for people that I can use I know you are shut up I know the difficulty of the time I know the affliction I know the bitterness but all those things don't move me because I am bigger than all those things I am principally 
looking for somebody who say, make a helper out of me so that we can all come into a wealthy place. Will somebody give the Lord a clap in the house today? In life, we need helpers. Joseph had a prophetic call of God upon his life. The Lord had appointed Joseph to very high office. And yet Joseph found himself in a pit and in a prison. When he was in the pit, the brothers wanted to kill him. But one of them, Reuben, spoke for him. Reuben became a helper. And by Reuben becoming a helper to Joseph, for the preservation of Joseph, even though he was still in a pit, it facilitated the fulfillment of God's word that one day this man will rise up to the highest office. When Joseph was put in a prison, there was the baker and the butler. One of them had to be a helper. And God knew, oh my God, God knew how to preserve the helper whilst the other one was killed. Mm -hmm. You know, while one died and the other was preserved, even though they had both offended the king, God knew the helper amongst the two. And even the helper, Joseph said, when you go before the king, remember me and speak for me. Even the helper got there and didn't understand that he had a helper's assignment. It took an intervention of God to quicken and to wake up the helper to lift up his voice and remember Joseph. And Joseph was brought out of the pit and God's word for his life was established. Are you hear what I'm saying? God is looking for a person. God is looking for people. God is looking for somebody irrespective of your mess. Listen, the butler and the baker had messed up before the king. The record wasn't good, but amongst them was a helper. Are you hear what I'm saying? Joseph's bragging alone and, and, and evidence of pride and arrogance had put him where he was. And yet still, that sin of pride did not stop God from bringing his purposes to pass. I'm trying to see something in your spirit this morning. At the beginning of the conference, don't disqualify yourself. God can bring you out of the pit and God can make a helper out of you. Can somebody give the Lord a clap in the house this morning? I shared with you some time ago I, that when God is looking for a helper, you have to understand that as omnipotent as he is, the creator of all the universe, the Bible said, even when he saw the chaos, the void on all the earth, God the Father still needed the assistance, the cooperation of Jesus and the Holy Ghost to bring his purpose to pass. And so the Bible says, he released the word. The Holy Ghost was hopping over the void and the darkness. Listen, you might be in a dark place right now. But I want you to understand that the helper, the Holy Spirit, is hovering over your void, your vacuum, and your darkness this week. And all he needs is a commanding word to release. All he needs is a word that will come out from the very heart of God. We must provoke, we must stay. We must move God to speak favorably on our behalf this week so the Holy Ghost can go into divine motion. Somebody give the Lord a shout in the house today. I said to you, I believe, some time ago, if I haven't, if I didn't, then, then catch it now. That the first place 
that the word help is seen is where? In the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, when God created the Adam, the Bible said he gave him an Eve. And what did he say? You shall be a what? A help meet for him. Are you hear what I'm saying? You shall be what? A help meet for him. And I've been teaching for some years that the Hebrew picture word for the name help. You know, in ancient writing, they use pictures. If you look at even today Chinese uh, uh, writing, which is quite ancient, is, is pictures. If you look at uh, the old hieroglyphics, the Egyptian writing, is pictures. They put certain picture forms together and it creates a word in their mind. The picture word for the word help, the word help in Hebrew is eze. Say eze. So when you say eben eze, you are saying the God of my rock or the rock of my help. When you say Eliezer, you are saying God of my help. Are you hear what I'm saying? So Eze means help. Say Eze. But the picture word for Eze is a very unique word, Lady Gifty. The picture word that forms the Hebrew word Eze in ancient Hebrew writing is made of one, one picture is the picture of yeah. The second picture is a picture of a man with a machete in his hand lifted up. These two picture words come together to form the word help. What does it mean? Your helper is somebody who has his eye on your enemy. A helper is somebody who has an eye on a person who has a weapon in his hand and is about to destroy you and your destiny. That is why we serve Jehovah Ese. That is why God is our help. That is why we say Ebenezer. He is the rock of help. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap in the house this morning. Now watch this now. I'm saying that God is still looking for a help. In order to bring us into a wealthy place. Now watch this now. The Bible then says, God gives Eve as the asset, the help to Adam. And Eve is now in the garden with Adam. As what? A help. She's supposed to be the asset. She's supposed to be the one who has an eye on the enemy. But the enemy didn't come the way Eve expected the enemy took advantage of the form of a serpent. So Eve did not recognize. And because Eve did not recognize the enemy, Eve had dropped her guard down. The anointing of a helper was not activated. And because, what is now coming? Because she did not activate the anointing of a helper. The enemy was able to take advantage of them. And watch this now. Instead of Adam and Eve being in a wealthy place, they lost their wealthy place. Jesus. I'm coming. So watch this now. The Lord ministered something to my heart. He said there are two unique anointings that were operating in the garden. My people are familiar with one and they missed the other. I said, Lord, what is it? He said in the, in the garden, there was the anointing of authority. Say authority. authority. Say it again. Authority. Say it with conviction. Authority. The anointing of authority was vested in the man. How was it vested? God said to Adam, name the animals. And whatever you call them, it shall be so. Listen, whoever names a child has authority over that child. Are you hear what I'm saying? So when God said to Adam, name the animals, God was trying to tell Adam, Adam, you have authority, the anointing of authority over all this because you gave them their names. Anything you name, you have authority. You affect their destiny. Are you hear what I'm saying? 
So the anointing of authority was given to who? Adam. Then God took the woman and said, I'm going to give you another kind of anointing. It is the anointing of a helper. You are the one who will spot the enemy and deal with him. But here is the point I'm trying to make. Hmm. Authority without help denies you of a wealthy place. Adam had all authority. But without a helper, he could not maintain and sustain the wealthy place. When Eve refused or failed to spot the serpent, the serpent took advantage and totally paralyzed and hindered the flow of the anointing of a help that Adam needed for them to sustain the wealthy place. So watch this now. The enemy's target, watch this now. The enemy's target is not just people in authority. The enemy's target is helpers. Say helpers. Say it again. Say it one more time. If we must stay in Eden, if we must be in a wealthy place, if we must eat of the good of the land, it's going to take the combination of the authority figure and the helper to keep us in the wealthy place. The moment help is disengaged, or authority is cut out, the Bible says, smites the shepherd, the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, we all lose out from the wealthy place. Are you hear what I'm saying? I'm coming, I'll clarify something in a minute. Now watch this now. When Eve met the serpent, because she didn't recognize the serpent, she didn't activate the anointing of a helper. She sat on it. The result is that they all lost the wealthy place. From that day, Eve made a decision. From that day, the woman said, ah, it's like that, eh? And Eve, I believe, swore in her heart. And I don't have a scriptural backing for this. So allow me what I keep saying. Give me ecclesiastical license to use my imagination. Eve must have sworn in her heart, I will never miss this one again. I am supposed to be the aunt that sees the enemy. I swear that from today, I will never miss the enemy. And listen to me, since that day, that thing in Eve's heart was passed through her bloodline. That is why women are very discerning. A woman can look at the husband's best friend and say, honey, this man, I don't have proof. Something isn't right. If you're a wise man, you will listen to her. You know why? Because when Eve didn't spot it the first time, she said, not again. This time my radar is up. Before trouble comes to the children, the mother has started interceding and praying weeks before that because she has sensed that something is coming. Before an attack comes on the marriage, the woman has already entered the chambers of intercession because she has the eye and the discernment to smell the enemy before the enemy strikes. Why do you think prayer meetings are full of women? Because God has given them something. Are you hear what I'm saying? God has given them a certain descent. It is the anointing of a helper on them. When the anointing of the helper is not activated and the church is not descending, then the anointing of authority is compromised. Even though he has authority, without the helper, he cannot function. Let, let, let me take you a little deeper. Why would God, omnipotent God, the creator of the heavens and earth, 
Why would he plant a garden in Eden and then call on Adam to help him God to tend the garden, be fruitful, multiply, and replicate it throughout the earth? Why didn't God who did it? Did he simply speak and say, let the whole earth be like Eden? God was relying on Adam. Are you hear what I'm saying? Watch this now. Before God gave Eve to Adam, God was already operating on a principle of help. Not because God is incapable, but he was establishing something. The enemy he called, even though he can speak, it is all over the world, he understood that he wants man to understand a certain principle for the future. That authority without helper does not bring wealth and productivity. So God, the authority figure, appointed Adam as a help. Adam, help me to spread this thing all over the world as a principle. So when Eve came, God says, now Eve has come. I am passing the authority to you. But just like I, the God in authority, needed you, Adam, to help me fulfill my vision, I am giving the authority and I'll also give you a helper to fulfill your vision. Oh. I know it's going to be heavy today, but after that, they'll get like, because if you catch this, if you catch this, you are on the road to divine recovery. Many of us are binding witches, dealing with things. And what you don't understand is that all the witch is trying to do and all the devil is trying to do is to kill the helper's anointing in your life. You know how he kills the anointing of the helper? By drawing your attention to the evil of Jeroboam. Meanwhile, Jeroboam is the one that God is going to use to restore the land. But if all you keep hearing is Jeroboam did evil, Jeroboam did evil, Jeroboam did evil, Jeroboam did evil. And when Jeroboam say, let us march against Damascus, and restore the land. Are you going to go with Jeroboam? No. Because your mind about Jeroboam is he's a man who is done evil in the house of God. So how does the enemy paralyze the helper? By discrediting. Today the church is discredited all over the world, especially Africa. And I must admit, there is some justification to it. Because some of the things people are doing in the name of church is not the church. It's not the church. It's people just putting on the clothes and the cover of church and misbehaving. The true church, the church of Jesus Christ, has bona fide, genuine men and women of God who are trying to do the right thing at great sacrifice. Say amen. But what the enemy has done is, you see Jeroboam, you see the evil he does in the sight of God, you see that he's controlling in the sense of this other spiritual father. So once all that is there, the day Jeroboam said, let us go. The Lord has prophesied by his servant Jonah that Hamath will be restored. Let us go and take Hamath. You say, I'm not going. Why? All I'm thinking about you, you're a man who does evil. Your wickedness, the things we've heard about you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what happens is that, watch this, you yourself begin to hold back. If Israel had concerned the sins of Jeroboam and not matched with him, we will not have the record in there that Jeroboam restored the lands to Israel according to the prophetic word of God. Don't listen to everything you are hearing. Make up your Lord. It doesn't matter what they are doing and saying. Even if the pastors are thieves, that is not my assignment. My assignment is to be a helper for your, the fulfillment of your prophetic word on the church. What you require of me, must I pray? 
Must I serve? Must I labor? Must I fast? Must I join prison? What must I do to make sure that your glory is restored and your prophetic word concerning this house shall come to pass? That is the thing that you and I must be preoccupied with. And if we can find people who will focus on what God wants to do and not the evil men are supposedly doing, God will bring us into a wealthy place. Oh, give the Lord a shout. Oh, Bishop. Bishop, you are defending the pastors. I am trying to tell you, I'm not here to defend any pastor who is doing evil in the eyes of God. But I'm not going to throw the baby away with the bathwater. I'm not going to cripple and become instrumental in stopping God from bringing the church into a wealthy place. And all we are sitting down complaining, Islam is getting to a wealthy place. Islam is controlling money. Islam is winning the nations. We are not just going to sit back and complain. We are going to say, Lord, make us your helpers. What must we do to turn this situation around? What must we do to bring the church out of the pit? I am tired of being a part of the complaining team. I want to be a helper. I want my eyes to be on your vision, your purpose, your word, your mind, your will, your timing. That is what I want to focus on and not what the Jeroboam's of the world are doing. Listen to me. Authority without a helper will cause all of us to miss the garden. <laughs> I love the way, I love the way, I love the way how Eve missed it. But after she made up her mind, my sensitivity and discernment is going to be so sharp. I will spot the devil even before he raised his head. That was Eve. Because watch this now. According to my scriptures, in that incident in the book of Genesis, in that garden fall, Adam never met the devil. That's why women are more sensitive to the enemy. But watch this now, watch this. Adam never met the enemy. The serpent spoke to Eve. Then Eve went and convinced Adam. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why did Adam take what Eve was saying? Adam understood you are my helpmate. So whatever you tell me, surely it must be for my interest and benefit. You are helping me. So maybe I become blind to the fact that maybe this tree, we misunderstood what God said about it. And since you are the helpmate, and we cannot prosper, if I try to operate on just authority, authority, and ignore you. So Adam also gave in to his helpmeet. Unfortunately, this time, the helpmeet had been deceived by the enemy. Are you hear what I'm saying? So Adam never met the enemy in that garden incident. But when the second Adam came, when Jesus Christ came, <laughs> when the first Adam never met the serpent, the second Adam said, listen, me, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I know him in and out. I know him when he was a cherubim, and I know him when he fell. The second Adam cannot be deceived. Oh, somebody give Jesus a clap in the house this morning. Watch my point. Watch my point. Before Eve came out of Adam, Eve and Adam were one. Are you hear what I'm saying? That means that authority and help were embodied in one person. God separated them for the sake of functionality so that it can be seen clearly that this is the role of the helper and this is the role of authority. 
But before helper was taken out of Adam, authority and help were embodied in one. The point I'm trying to make is this. Just as it was then, the Eve of the garden, the bride of Adam, the first Adam, today, we are the Eve, the bride of the second Adam. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> we are the Eve, the bride of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. If we are the bride, that means that the anointing of a helper is in the church. But when the anointing of the helper, because of the deception of the enemy, is not activated, the authority figure Jesus and his operations in the house to keep us in the garden of plenty and fruitfulness and multiplication and increase and replenishing is hindered. Not because those things are not there. Because the anointing of the helper has not risen up. The church is big on authority. Everybody wants more power. Everybody wants more authority. Either by titles or by spiritual investment and impartation. But how many people are saying, give us the anointing of a helper? You see, the enemy has made us so blind to the combination of these two things that we are all craving for authority and the power. However we get it, by whatever means we'll get it, undermine somebody, pull somebody down, in whatever. All we want is authority, but we have not understood that from the genesis of time, God knew that authority without help will not keep them in a wealthy place. As we start this conference, I want you to start with a helper's anointing and a helper's mentality. That it doesn't matter how many times I come and go. It doesn't matter how many times pastor comes to stand here, preach Sunday after Sunday, week in, week out. It doesn't matter how much authority, power, shouting, impartation, anointing oil, handkerchief. It doesn't matter all those things we do. If the anointing of the helpers are dormant, we will never live in a wealthy place. Am I telling the truth? Can I back it up with scripture? Let's go to the book of Corinthians. Are you being blessed this morning? I'm laying it heavy. I'm laying it thick today. After that, we'll have a free flow during the week. Amen? But I recognize that if we don't understand this, we will never truly come into a wealthy place. Because everybody is looking to authority figure. Let the pastor come. Let the bishop come. Let the prophet come. Let the apostles come. In fact, the bigger the titles of their name in our mind, the bigger their authority. So let's look to them to come into a wealthy place. But what you don't understand, one without the other does not cut it. Say an amen. amen. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. We'll close in a moment. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 8. Are you being blessed? Yes. It's a conference. And I want us to understand some things. And when you get this, then have an expectation that God will do something in your life. Say an amen. amen. Now remember I said that authority and help was invested in one person. That was Adam. You see, in the church, the body of Christ, God has also invested the same. There is authority and there is helpers. All in one body called the body of Christ. I hear what I'm saying. But sometimes God makes the separation of functionality clear. 
So to those who have been given authority by the grace, Jesus said, all authority and power has been given unto me and I give it unto you. You see, here's the point I want to make. I want you to understand. As you are sitting down there, you are both empowered with authority and help. You are not just a helper or you are not just an authority person. You have both. Are you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes in your prayer meetings, when you are praying for yourself, all you want to do is you want to activate the authority, the authority, the authority. But ask yourself, as you are activating the authority to overcome situations, how are you also activating the anointing of help within you? Because until you activate the anointing of help, your anointing of authority is not. That is why Jesus, watch this now, with all the authority he had, he didn't just sit down, he helped people. <laughs> he that had authority. That's why he said, I didn't come to be saved. I have so much authority. Let me. That's why Jesus said that do not rule it over them like the Greeks do. Jesus had both authority, but he was a helper. Let the blind see. Let the lame walk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was a helper. He used, he combined the anointing of authority with the heart and the anointing of a helper. That is why he got results. The church is trying to thrive on authority alone without help. And that is how we're not as fruitful. That is how we're not coming to a wealthy place. That's how we don't have the overflow of God in our life. But I believe that after this conference, with this understanding, as you say, God, make a helper out of me. And when God makes a helper out of you, watch this now. The Bible, let me put it in Old Testament parlance that I'm praying to New Testament. Old Testament said, I will bless you to be a blessing. Is that not so? How many of you want to be blessed by God? To be a blessing. Lord, bless me to be a blessing. That is Old Testament speak. In New Testament lingo, this is how it will go. It don't go, I will bless you to be a blessing. It goes this way, I will help you to be a helper. In other words, when you make up your mind to be a helper, God must help you. You make up your mind to be a blessing, God must bless you. Because he blesses you to be. So in order for you to get help from God, you yourself be a helper. When you become a helper, God must help you to be a helper. So the moment you make up your mind, I'm going to help the work of God. I'm going to help my family so that the will of God for my family is fulfilled. God must help you to be a helper. Oh my God. He must resource you to be resourceful. Is what I'm trying to say. One without the other doesn't work. What does 1 Corinthians say? Let's look at 1 Corinthians. Let me close with this. 1 Corinthians. You've been blessed? Chapter number 3, verse 5 to 8. Can we read it together? Do you have it on King James? 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 8. Okay, let's read it together. Go. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He said, I have planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, is... Go on. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Hey, don't speak like you're in a pit. This week we are coming to a wealthy place. So, so let's speak like we are coming out of the pit. Amen. Go. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Verse 8. Key. Verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are what? And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Listen to this scripture. Listen to this scripture. Listen to this scripture. 
The Bible says, there is one that plants, and another does what? Water. And there's a third one. Who does what? Brings the increase. So there's a planter, there's a waterer, there's an increaser. All right? Now, the scripture says that it is not he that planteth. That is anything. Verse 7. So then, neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth. In other words, planting alone doesn't bring anything. Watering alone doesn't bring anything. But God gives the increase. So Lord, what will it take for the increase to come? The answer is verse 8. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are what? One. When the planter and the waterer become one, God brings the increase. Can I say it again? I said when the planter and the waterer are one, are one in, we are one to make sure that God's word for this ministry, this home, this family, this business comes to pass. When the planter and the water are one, God who brings the increase commands the increase. That means that the only thing stopping the increase is that planter and water have not become one. <laughs> you cannot go into a field, plant seeds, no watering, and expect increase. It doesn't happen, it will die. And you can't go into a, sea, a field and pour water, but no seed, and expect increase. For the increase to come, the planter and the waterer must be one. Then the increase will come. Listen, this is just the New Testament principle of the Old Testament truth. That until authority and helper are one, they cannot eat the increase of the land. When the Lord said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, he was speaking about increase. But for the increase to come, there has to be an authority figure and there has to be a helper working on the same page. What they work on together as one will determine fruitfulness, multiplication, and replenishing. That was the Old Testament principle. That was being now taught in the New Testament way. But instead of saying authority and helper, he says planter and waterer. So when planter and waterer are one, God commands the increase upon the land. And then he says, and everyone shall be rewarded according to their own labor. In other words, others can be helping. Authority. Others can be watering what the planter has watered, has planted. But if you are neither helping, nor are you watering, others will be blessed. And you don't blame. Well, the Bible says that everyone shall be rewarded, and every man shall receive his own reward. How do you determine it? According to his own labor. Hmm. You receive your what? Your own what? Reward. Is it according to pastor's labor? No. According to ladies' labor, no. According to your own labor. If you must see increase, if you must come into a wealthy place, it's time to get on board. Pastor Eric Markey, by the grace of God, is the planter of Bread of Life Ministry Bristol with our sister church in Scotland. He's the planter. <laughs> 
He is the God-ordained authority figure. But increase will not come. You will not enter your wealthy place. In fact, God may even begin with a nice garden. But to keep that wealthy place, this planter, this authority figure, will need helpers and waterers. When the helpers and waterers become one with the planter and authority, I guarantee you God's word shall come to pass. He will command increase upon this Eden. Oh, somebody. The bread of life will increase. You will come into a wealthy place. Are you hear what I'm saying? God will bring you out of every pit. Let us just, let us remove our mind from this mentality that it is the responsibility of the planter and the authority figures to bring us to a wealthy place. No, it is a combination when they are one. He says, neither the planter is anything. Planter on his own is nothing. Authority on his own, nothing. Pastor on his own, nothing. If pastor was just standing here, preaching to himself, by himself, to empty just nobody, where is he going to go? But you know what? God began to send helpers. They came in the form of keyboard players, saxophonists, drummers, guitarists, choir singers, protocol, intercessors, technical team. All these are helpers that God has sent so that increase can come in the land. Listen to me. Listen to me. Bread of Life Ministry. Conference 2018. My Wealthy Place. This should not just be a lofty team. This should become a goal, an objective. And this will only happen when you renew your mind and you stop sitting on the fences and recognize that you have a role to play for all of you to come into a wealthy place. That there is an anointing of authority and the anointing of a helper. These two had to operate in the garden. When the anointing of the helper did not stir itself up, they missed out all the good. They were in a wealthy place. But just because the anointing of the helper went into coma, they lost their wealthy place. And were brought into barrenness and pain and suffering. And they ate bread by the sweat of their brow. And life became tongues and thistles. May God restore unto this house and restore into your life. May God activate and stay. May the Lord stare your heart and challenge you to be a helper from today. To recognize the anointing upon your life. If your family isn't prospering, your children are not prospering, being an authority figure alone doesn't help. Daddy, you can't just shout authority. You must be a helper as well. Mommy, you can't just shout to the children. You've got to do well in school until you are helping them with their homework. Your authority must come with help for your children to come into a wealthy place. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house. Too many people want to just write an authority. I am the husband. You must do what I say in this house. Honey, for your authority to be authentic, you better be a helper. Help me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We know you are the daddy. Don't just command us to the Bible. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't just say, I'm the father. Whatever I say, how are you helping the child? How much time do you spend with them? 
What invest? If I even prayer, are you even praying for your children? How many daddies go down on their knees and are not praying for their business to prosper or their football club team to win the the, the premium? But you pray for your son. Lord, make a mighty man of him. Make him a man of valor. Get him with glory and honor. Give him an advantage in life. Equip him with skills and weapons. We don't do those things, but we expect our children to come into a wealthy place in life. All because authority speakers have spoken. You see the example I'm trying to give you? If it is so, in our everyday social environment, why do we think it is different in church? In fact, in church is the more reason why. Because you are the bride. You are the Eve. Before pastor will even sense that there's an attack coming in the church, the anointing of the prophetic, the gifts of revelation, word of knowledge, all these are anointings of help to help him do what he has to do. Somebody has said, big pastor, this is what we picked up. Somebody, pastor, this one, pastor, ah, wait a minute, this person has confirmed, this person, the pastor, okay, now I exercise authority in the name of Jesus, it will not stand. Pastor is doing that because helpers have picked things up and helpers are joined with authority to fight against that thing. When helpers won't exercise their gifts, but are always in for pastor to be the one who will spot the enemy. <laughs> no, he can't do it. But you know the thing, there are more eyes here than his eyes. He's one pair of eyes. There are so many eyes here. If all of you would open your eyes and look out for the one with the hatchet, if all of you would be discerning, if all of you would try to comprehend and understand, if all of you would say we will not focus on what they are saying about Jeroboam, but we'll focus on what God has clearly said and has spoken by the mouth of his prophets and will cooperate and become one in that vision, we will enter into a wealthy place. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap in the house this morning. Your clap is a little suspect. Say amen. amen. Second Kings 14 28. Let me end. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam. I love God. See, I love God. I love Listen. If some of you were in God's shoes, eh? All you will say is that Jeroboam did evil in my sight. The record you would like to leave for people to sing about is what people have done against you. And this person offended me. And that one, that is all you want to leave. But see, thank God. God didn't just focus on the evil that Jeroboam did. The Bible said, now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam. Don't look at the church who has offended you. I said that offense they've caused you is the only thing they have done. Have you forgotten yesterday when they were singing in the choir ministering to you? Have you forgotten when prayer time they were standing there praying and interceding for church when you were sleeping? Are you just going to look at the little thing they said? They stand on your toe a little bit. No. There is more to each other than our little faults and our little issues. When the enemy keeps our eyes on our faults, he's finding a way to displace us from the wealthy place. Are you hear what I'm saying? So the Bible says, instead of God leaving it at that, Jeroboam, the son of Josh, did evil in my sight. He didn't 
depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused all Israel to sin, for which I afflicted them with pity affliction. No, the Bible says, and the rest of the acts. Whatever you missed yesterday, let the rest of your acts be honorable. Let the rest of your acts be acts of help. Let the rest of your acts be acts of restoration. Somebody say, hallelujah to the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, what did he do? The Bible says, and all that he did. Listen, I'm not speaking for pastor, but I am a pastor. So I know what it's like. Some people will leave church. They are wealthy place. They are eating. They will leave church because they are upset with the pastor. But have you forgotten all the rest of the things pastor did and all the other things he did? Have you forgotten? I'm using pastor because I don't want to step on anybody's toes. He's my son. So I can use him as an example. All right? But have you forgotten all the other good things he's done? The people he's prayed for. The encouragement. When the whole church is discouraged, he comes in there and, and tries to exhort and lift yes, you up. Yes. Have you forgotten the rest of his acts and all that he did? Because if the devil keeps your focus, I think that message pastor preached, he was preaching against me because he must have heard about this and the other. And because of that, you are only looking at the quote-unquote evil that pastor has done. How are you going to be one with pastor for you to restore half back into the church? Take your eyes off the wrong things and focus on the good thing God is doing. Tell me, man. Your husband may not be correct. Your husband must be a pain in the proverbial backside. But don't just look at one slip of your husband and forget the rest of all that he does. He's flesh and blood. He's not perfect. Your wife may not be the most perfect person. They can get lippy when they should be quiet. But don't just take that thing, that one or two flaws about your wife and overlook the rest of everything she does. Because the moment you make that the focus, your marriage, your union, your family will be robbed of the wealthy place for which God brought the two of you together. Am I talking to somebody this morning? You go home and fix that mess. Go home and help that husband to come back to himself. And remind him you are the authority of this house. And I respect it as part of your mess up. I'm here to help you. That's my assignment. I'm anointed to be your helper. Now honey, let's get our ball or let's get our game together and go into a wealthy place. We have to renew our mind. Because Satan will keep focusing you. Have you seen the sins that Jeroboam does in the sight of God? And remember, this is now when he goes into history. Remember what Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, did. Now they are not talking about your mess today. They are going back 20 years ago. For something that they told you they have forgiven you. All of a sudden that has come back into the How do you come into a wealthy place? How? It's a trick of the enemy. Look at this, wake up. And keep your eye on what God has said. What has the Lord said about your marriage, your business, your children? You think it won't come and attack? You think that won't come into the garden to whisper some things and, and create some setups? He will. But keep your eye on the wealthy place. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. So where's coming my help? My help coming from the Lord. 
the one that made the heavens and the earth. Don't keep your eyes on the wrong things. Lift it up. And the Bible said, and the rest, say the rest. And the rest of the acts of Jeroboam. And all that he did. What did he do? All that he did. The Bible said, and his might. His might. How strong are you? How strong is your faith? And his might. Look at this and be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. If you must come to a wealthy place, let the records write. This was a mighty man. This was a mighty woman. This was a mighty wife. A mighty husband. Let it be written that you did not control. You did not bow. You did not chicken out. You did not crack. You did not break. You were not cast down. Even though you were thrown down, you rose up again. Because you are mighty in God. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house today. Mighty. Mighty. If you must come into a wealthy place, are not for chickens. That is why you are where you are. Because sometimes you are where you are not because of sin. But God is training you. You know why? It's not about how to get to the mighty, to the wealthy place. That's easy. It's how to keep the wealthy place. You think it was difficult for God to put Adam and Eve in a wealthy garden? No, that was easy. The challenge was keeping the place, holding on to the place, holding on to the wealthy place. That is where they didn't have, they hadn't been trained and schooled because they had never encountered Satan yet. You might be going through challenges today. It is God's training ground so that when you come to the wealthy place, you know how to hold your own because the enemy is coming against you because of the wealthy place. So God bless me, God bless me, he can bless you. But when you get there, can you hold a blessing? And the way God prepares you and makes you mighty so you can withstand the enemy is your present affliction, your present pain. It will force you on your knees. It will compel you to learn the technicalities and skills of prayer. It will sharpen your discernment. It will, make, it will open your eye to spot the enemy before he has even thought of a plan. You will have the skills of us to not be ignorant of the devil's devices. It is God's training ground. David said it is God who taught my fingers to fight and my hands to war. When he was going through his wilderness experience and his Adelon came experience, he didn't know that God was training him not just to get on the throne, but how to remain on the throne until his dying day. Getting on the throne is easy. There are shortcuts to get on the throne. One shortcut was to kill Saul when he was in the cave. That would have been a quick, fast track to the throne. But David understood something. Because it's not about getting to the throne. It's about able to sustain the throne. Hold the throne until I pass it down to the right legitimate inheritor. Whatever you're going through today, don't give up on God. Don't be discouraged. Lean seasons a time when God builds muscle and he builds endurance and he builds the ability to persevere. He puts strength within you. The Bible says all that he did, his might and how he warred. Your warfare is recorded before God. Amen? Amen. And the war in here, if I must bring it to the New Testament, but the Bible says contend for the faith. War for the faith. War. 
Don't be one of those kids that as soon as things begin to go wrong for the church, you begin to complain about the church. No, your job is to war for the faith. Because remember, if you contend against the church, how do you win your brother, your neighbor, your friend, their cats, their dogs to come to church tomorrow? When you are the very person who, when the time came for you to defend the church, were siding with other people to speak against the church. When you were speaking against Jeroboam, you joined their song. No, stand out. When the book, when the chronicles, not of kings, but of the king of kings is open in heaven, let it be noted that the saints of bread of life ministry Bristol contended for the faith of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody give the Lord a clap in the house this morning. The rest of his acts, all that did, his might, how he warred, and how he recovered Damascus and Hamad, which belonged to Judah for Israel, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Church, God is not just going to record your acts, your doings, your might, your war, but the things that you help to be restored. That also is recorded in the book of Chronicles. Are you hear what I'm saying? Thank God that every year I come, the choir is standing strong. But there might be an area of the church that is going down. You must take it upon yourself as a helper. I am going to make sure this area is restored in the church. And as you do that, the holy script is being written. This is what this helper did to restore to bread of life ministry. This area of the church for the vision and the purpose of God to be fulfilled. May the Lord give you the anointing of a helper this week. I said, May the Lord release the anointing of a helper upon you this week. May God give you the capacity to help. May God make you an able helper. Listen, even Jesus Christ, without whom nothing was made, that has He made. Even He needed helpers. He stood one day and he thanked his father for his helpers. He says, those whom thou hast given me. If Jesus needed helpers, if Moses needed Joshua, if Elijah needed Elijah, what makes us think we don't need helpers in life? Are you hear what I'm saying? May you become a helper Amen. and may God send you helpers. Amen. This is my prayer for you this week. That one, God will help you. Two, God will make a helper out of you. That is how we will come into the wealthy place. Stand on your feet and put your hands together and give the Lord a clap in the house. How many of you need help? We need help. This bishop needs help. I need help big time. For what God has called me to do, I need help. I need helpers. I need Eve's around me. I need disciples, sons and daughters. That God will say, I'm giving this book to you. And even I'm. And so, they are part of the crew God has given you. The fact that God has given helpers does not mean that there won't be issues. Sometimes the issues will come from the helpers themselves. But keep your eye on God's plan for your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, listen. You see, I want you to understand something. Helpers, eh? Helpers are human beings who are working on grace. And if you miss it, you'll miss your helper. Paul
a helper called Mark. Mark was a helper. Mark messed up. And Paul kicked his helper away. But at some stage in Paul's life, Paul recognized that that helper called Mark, he needs him. He said, send me to Mark. Bring that helper back to me. I pray that for any helper that has been driven out, may God heal your heart. God give you the right heart. Whatever you did that brought that upon you, may God correct it and may God prop you back where you ought to be so you can find fulfillment in your life and the life of the ministry. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Then give the Lord a clap in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Paul said for John Mark, he said, bring him back. Listen to me. You got to understand something. Sometimes your helpless things they are doing you evil, Pastor. But they are following God's purposes. I received a WhatsApp message from one of my ministers to encourage me about something. He said, Bishop, remember there was Peter and there was Judas. Both of them were part of the help crew of Jesus. He said, Satan has sought to sit you as we, but I have prayed for you. Why didn't Jesus pray for Judas? That Satan would not enter him. Rather, he said to Judas, the thing you have to do, go and do quickly. Go and do quickly. Because you think it is evil. But all that shenanigan, God has factored it into. So, you, whatever evil you have to do, go and do it quickly. Just go and do it. You get over and done with But in the end, you will see that the plan of God shall still come to pass. For Peter, he prayed. For Judas, he said, whatever you have to go and do, go and do quickly. Which kind of helper are you going to be? These were helpers. Are you going to be the kind of helper that Jesus will pray for? Or are you going to be the kind of quote-unquote helper whose heart is set? Or not cooperating. You know what Judas's issue was? One of the things that upsets Judas is how Jesus is handling the money, the money issues. The money issues. The precious things of the house. Could not this oil have been sold and the poor fed? Why have they put it all on Pastor Jesus? This spiking that oil. The thing got to Judas. Jesus is being blessed too much. Somebody has poured precious oil on his head. When we could have used it for something better. And he was a helper. You can be a helper in the house, but still despise when God is trying to bring certain people into a wealthy place. May God guard your heart. May you become the kind of helper that Jesus, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. It is very dangerous. If God keeps up on you and says, the thing you want to do, go ahead. The evil you have not, go ahead, do it. Do it. And evil is not only in commission. Evil is also in omission. The Bible says that when it is in your power to do good and you don't do it, it is sin. So when you are, this thing will help, but I refuse to give my help. 
Jesus will look at you and say, you know something? The thing you plan in your head, that you won't help, go ahead. You go ahead. But remember that every man shall receive their own reward according to their own labor. If you labor for the defenders of the gospel, you'll receive. If you labor to withhold, you'll receive. May God make helpers out of us. May God touch your hearts this morning. May you renew your mind. May it take us out of this mentality of the authority figure alone must somehow control wealth for us when we refuse to play our part. You have a beautiful voice. Join the choir. You pray passionately at home, but you won't come to prayer meeting and join the verses. How can we become wealthy? You have a hospitable heart. When people visit you at home, you bring out your best china and you show them great hospitality. But when you come to church and you have to join the hospitality team or the ushers, you withhold it. When you know how to host people. When visitors come to your house, you know how to welcome them. When visitors come to church, you don't even mind them. You just join your crew and your clique. All those things don't help us come into a wealthy place. We've got to renew our mind. Are you hear what I'm saying? I am sharing this practical aspect this morning because the chances are sometimes during the week we'll be focusing and bombarding the spirit. I'm an old crow. I've done this thing for so many years. And I've come to realize that bombarding the spirit all the time without practical enforcement and adjusting our ways doesn't bring results. As we breathe, we must do it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can't just be breaking. But on earth you have withheld help. Be a helper. Look at this. Be a helper. Say be a helper. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Every eye closed. Every eye closed. Spirit of the living God minister to their hearts this morning. Let conviction fall upon us this first day of conference the bible said that we sought we prayed but we did not receive because we're lasting after the wrong things may the quest to come into a wealthy place not just be about covetousness and greed but let it be because there is a plan there is a purpose for bread of life ministry his members, his families, his homes, the community, the city of Bristol, the nations to affect. For this Lord, bring us out of the pit. Bring us out of every stronghold of the enemy. Break the chains and free me so I can be a helper and play my part to bring the house of God into a world. I wanted to pray. Pray for a moment and ask God to give you grace. If there's sin in your life, say, Lord, forgive my sin and give me grace that this sin will not hold me back from being the person you want me to be. If I've not warned and contended for the faith and stood for my church and my leadership, but I've rather undermined and spoken against it, I have played a part in robbing out of the wealthy place. Lord, show me mercy. And anoint my tongue that from this day on, what I speak will propel us into a wealthy place. Ask the Lord to give you might 
and strength that you are not just war, but you war with spiritual intelligence and how to fight to come out of every pit in your life. Come on, talk to God. Talk to God. From tomorrow, we'll do some serious prayers. We'll pray these things. We'll pray these things. Talk to God. But be sincere and ready to demonstrate your willingness to be a helper. Prove God today that Lord, today I'm signing up as a helper in the house of God. Bring me to a wealthy place so that we can all enjoy the good of Eden and the good of the land. Talk to God. Talk to God. Lift up your voice. Let me hear you pray. Talk to God. If you're uncomfortable at what you're praying, move to some corner. Relocate yourself. Have a private two minutes with God. And call upon God. And ask God to give you grace. And endow you with the anointing of a helper. That by the time this week comes, where you couldn't be your help, you'll find grace to help. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands, O oh Lord. Every head bow and every eye close. God has a plan for your life. God has a destiny for you. But currently, you don't have a relationship with God. You may come to church, but you don't have a relationship with God. And Satan has kept you in that place of you are a sinner. So God has no interest in you. Jeroboam did evil, but God used him. God can use you tomorrow. But it begins by going to the Lord, forgive me for my sins. And forgive me to even allow my pain of yesterday to hold me back for my tomorrow. Never head by anywhere I close. If you are here this morning, you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. He has a master plan for you. He has a purpose for your future. There's a destiny for you. Yes, I know you've messed up big time. But the mercy of the Lord. The Bible says when Israel messed up, God didn't say our blood on him from under heaven. But he found a way to save them. Today God wants to save you. Because there's a reason why he brought you on earth. There's a plan. And that plan he has calculated all your mess. But he still is determined that you will come into a wealthy place. If I'm talking to you this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, lift up your hand over your head and let me see you so I can pray for you. Is there anybody here? Is a preacher? I want to give my life. I just want God to take control of my life. I want to know that great future ahead of me. I want to be able to overlook the issues of yesterday and become a new person. I want to accept Jesus. Is there anybody here this morning? Is there anybody here this morning? Because this is important. It's our first step for the conference. Yielding yourself to the Lord so that his plans shall be fulfilled in your life. Put your hands together and thank God for your life if you give your life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you are not instrumental in the church, if you don't participate in the activities of the church, let today be the beginning and understand that the withholding of yourself is costing the whole church. The Bible says we are one body with different parts. And every part has its role and function. And when one, function, one part is not functioning, we're paralyzed. The pain runs through the whole body of Christ. 
by the time conference finishes on Sunday, if you are not serving in this house in some shape, form, or capacity, may God put it upon your heart that before you end on Sunday, you will sign up to a department. You will sign up to a Some people are not in department. When they do women's fellowship, you are women. You bought the wig, it's on your head, but you will never go to women's program. You won't participate. And you wonder why things don't happen. We resist God. Let us say repent. Say change your mind. Be a part of what God is doing. So we can all come into a wealthy place. Can you give the Lord a clap in the house? It's a serious message. It's a message that is aimed at making you change your mind. Let's stop a lottery mentality. Let's just go to the latest prophet and God will just prosper us. Brother, I've been in it a long time. If you work that way, things will be very different. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is that until authority and helpers are one, until planter and water are one, increase doesn't come. I don't care what they promise. God has his principles. And for you to be blessed in the house of God, be a helper to what God is doing in the house of God. Give the Lord a clap. Shout amen. Give the Lord one more clap. Clap like a helper. Hallelujah. Let's appreciate the ministry of Bishop Sandor. Hallelujah. What a word. Hallelujah. Church, you can do better. What a word. What a word. Let's appreciate him as he leaves the auditorium. Praise God. Now, unto the only wise God, the possessor of the heaven and the earth, the one who gives the increase, may he increase your endeavors, your enterprises the work of your hands, your being, the works of your body, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May he bless you with uncommon favor, in the mighty name of Jesus, and above all, may he shine his countenance upon you. Where there appear darkness, may you walk in light, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you greet five, three people around you and tell them to be a helper.